0: Tonight, we're pressing on, once again, in our big question series. And maybe you've seen on the email what's coming up this week. Um, But tonight's question is this. Tonight's question is, what about heaven and hell? This is a big question. This is a question a lot of people ask. It's what about heaven and hell? So you have your scripture sheets. Would you stand? I'm going to read the first scripture on here, Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. This is God's word. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is God's living and active word. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, would you help us to see the big story that you have written, that we are a part of? Would you help us to see our need for Jesus? Would you help us to have humility about who we are and what we need? And Lord, would you help us to love and trust you and the things that you know that we don't know? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. There is a lie that all of us tell often, over and over in our lives, or over in our lives. And other people have said this, I'm not the first one, but oftentimes we tell the lie, "I agree to all the terms and conditions and I have read them." right? <laughs> Everybody knows that. We agree to terms and conditions without reading them. And sometimes people hide all sorts of things in their terms and conditions. For example, the streaming service Peacock has a chocolate cake recipe hidden in their terms and conditions so if you yep so if you look down far enough you can actually find chocolate cake recipes. okay there was a band that in their contracts to play gigs they said you can only have brown m&ms in the dressing room okay and that was part of their contract so if you read far enough down you'd see that and you prepare okay now those are funny examples but normally when we think of terms and conditions and we think of fine print we think of where they hide the things they don't want people to know and they don't want people to see they want people to sign without looking And if we're honest, we feel like hell is often in the fine print of the Christian faith. It's hidden somewhere in the terms and conditions, right? It's the catch. It's the thing that people try to hide away. It's what we find hard to talk about, both at church and especially with non-Christians. But when we stop and look, we'll see that hell, just like heaven, fits into the bigger story that we are a part of. And as we'll see, both heaven and hell make sense of a deep pressure we feel. It's a pressure we explore to the very last of those would you rather questions, right? We feel the pressure to have love on one hand and justice on the other. We feel like love is good and right and true and forgiveness is important. And yet justice is good too. Consequences for actions are important, especially with things we see going on in the world right now. now With Russia having invaded Ukraine, we not only want love, but we also want justice. And it feels like we can't fit those together well. It feels like they're two magnets facing the wrong way. And so instead of coming together, they're actually going wider and wider apart. And we can't put them together. So what does God's word actually say about love and about justice and about heaven and hell? We have three things to see tonight. The first is the need for heaven. The second is the need for hell. And the third is the need for Jesus. First, the need for heaven. In many ways, this is the easy place to start. Because put aside belief in God for a second. We don't need convincing that we want there to be something better than this world. That we want there to be a world without evil. We want all the wrong things in the world to be made right. We want no more problems. We want no more pain. And the Bible actually describes just that in Revelation 21. I already read it in verses 1 and 2. We see a new heaven and a new earth. An earth that's purified and as it was meant to be back in the beginning. We see a holy, a perfect city. And verse 3, we see God, the one who made us us and knows us, will be with us. And then verse 4, let me read it for us. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. No death, no crying, no pain, all of our tears wiped away. Everything put right. To paraphrase Lord of the Rings, everything sad come untrue. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? And we see this comfort actually in the parable in Luke 16. I printed it also for you on the scripture sheet. I'm going to read verses 19 through 21. This is a a parable that Jesus gives. And sometimes when we talk about heaven and hell, we say, I believe in Jesus. Or some people say, I believe in Jesus, but not all that heaven and hell stuff. But Jesus actually talks about it a lot. And this is one of those instances. So this is a parable in Luke chapter 16. And he says this in verses 19 through 21. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. So we have this crazy picture of a man named Lazarus who's poor, who's hungry, who's in immense pain, who's hurting, right? And see what happens. Verse 22, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. Now, Abraham's side, that doesn't really make sense to us. Well, what does he mean by that? Abraham's side is a place of rest, of peace, of contentment, and actually probably indicates a feast sitting next to Abraham. So everything Lazarus didn't have in life, he now gets. He gets that restoration that we were just talking about. But it leaves us with a question when we talk about the need for heaven. And the question is, are you and I actually fit to be in heaven? It's a holy city, a city that's perfectly pure. But are we holy? Are we perfectly, perfectly pure? We live with God, but do you and I always obey God and honor him? There's no mourning, there's no crying, there's no pain, there's no tears. And yet, how often do we cause these things to other people? I want you to think about it like this. Imagine there was a thought bubble above your head right now, and every single thought you had showed up for everybody to see. How fast would it take you to run out of this room, right? How long would it take until all of your friends and all of your family wanted nothing to do with you? Very Very quickly, right? (laughs) Very quickly. Now, we're thankful that's not the case. But God knows us and sees us. He actually sees that. He's not fooled by the faces that we put on, right? Jesus in Matthew 5 says it this way. If you have anger in your heart, it's the same as murder. Because it's a sin that leads to death. If you've had impure, lustful sexual thoughts, it's the same as wrong sexual actions. Because it's a sin that leads to death. I mean, how can you and I possibly be in the new heavens and the new earth because we're not perfectly holy? How does that work? How, how do we get there? Well, that brings us to the second point, which is the need for hell. Look at me at Revelation 21 again. Look at verse eight. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, remember, we just said in Jesus, if we've had anger in our heart or lustful actions in our heart, then we're murderers, we're sexually immoral, Right? We find ourselves in this list. What are we supposed to do with that? A chapter before in Revelation 20, to pave the way for this new city, we actually see Satan defeated and thrown in a lake of fire. And then something called the book of life is read out, and people's actions, everybody's actions are read out in the book of life. The righteous go to heaven and the new earth, And the unrighteous are thrown with Satan and with death into the lake of fire, and then the world is able to be made new. What's happening there? What's happening is this. People's sin, people's unrighteousness, is separating them from God. right? Because how can we be in somewhere that's perfectly holy, perfectly good, and not be that? right? It'd be like a big stain of sin on us in a perfect world. Everybody would look at that and say, you're not supposed to be there. And here's the problem. The problem is, you and I want to hold on to our sin. We don't want to let it go. It's not as easy as saying, don't sin, right? Because we all do, and we continue. If we're honest, in some ways, we actually love our sin. We love the freedom that we think we have. We love getting to do what we want to do, going our own way. Now hear me, no one wants hell, but we each want our own way, and we follow ourselves down evil paths, We don't want the consequences of our actions, but we do want those actions. I mean, what would you do if you knew you could get away with it? What have you already done because you knew you could get away with it? But God sees, as we've said, and God knows these things. God's word says in Romans 1 that he gives people up to their desires. He lets us hold on to what we think we want. Look again at Luke 16. This is verses 23 through 26. And in Hades, being in torment, this is the rich man, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and said, Lazarus, to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you, you in your lifetime received good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been fixed, And in order that those who have passed from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. So we're back in this story. And here we're hearing about the rich man. And the rich man dies, and it says in verse 23 that he's in torment. And what he does is he he talks to Abraham and says, Hey, can you have Lazarus come bring me some water? And at first we think, okay, that's a pretty natural request. But we actually have to look deeper at what's going on. This man still hasn't learned anything from his life. Because he still views Lazarus as his servant out there to give him what he wants. He's still selfish. He's still not repentant of his selfishness in life. He doesn't see God's justice because he let Lazarus starve, and now he wants Lazarus to feed him. And he also, as we'll see later, wants Lazarus to go talk to his brothers. All right, so we're seeing him actually holding on to his sin more and more as time goes on. Now, some people talk about heaven and hell and say, well, believing in hell is narrow-minded, right? that eternal consequence. But here's the thing, everybody believes in consequences of some sort for some actions, right? We would just say there are bigger consequences than people understand or know about. Tim Keller, in his book Reason for God, gives an illustration like this. It's like Jack and Jill see a cookie on the counter. Jill thinks the consequence of eating a cookie is just your normal consequence, right? Maybe she'll have a sugar rush, maybe her tummy might hurt, that's it. But Jack thinks the cookie is poison, and he thinks if she eats it, she's gonna have to go to the hospital or worse, right? We wouldn't call him narrow-minded. He's just saying, hey, actually, there's bigger consequences at play here than you know and understand. So we've seen the need for heaven. We've seen the need for hell. We've also seen our hearts along the way. And so the question that we all should be asking is, is there any hope? Is there? And that brings us to the third point, the need for Jesus. Back in Revelation, look with me at verses 5 and 6. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. We need to be made new. We're thirsty for the water of life, and we can't pay. But what about our sin? What about the great chasm that's opened up, right? Where can our sin go? How can we get there? Not just where can our sin go, but more importantly, where does the punishment for our sin go? You see, God promises to make things new. God has made a way for that to happen. Because God himself has come to earth in the person of Jesus. He himself has taken on our punishment. He took our sin on himself. He took the, des- the death that we deserved and he died on a cross. He suffered for us so that we wouldn't have to suffer eternally. And then he rose to life again to show us the true promise of eternal future resurrection. And this one who died and rose again, this Jesus, he's also the very one who's going to judge the living and the dead at the end of the world. And so if we believe in him, if we're with him, we have nothing to fear. We have hope. And if Jesus is the only hope for dealing with sin, and if he himself is God in flesh, then to reject him is to reject God himself. To reject him is to reject the only way to new eternal life in the new heavens and new earth. And here's the thing. Without heaven and hell, Jesus came and died for no purpose. He died on a cross. He suffered, but not really for anything because there's no eternal punishment. But the fact is, heaven and hell are real and Christ came and died for us so that we might have life through him. Going back to Luke 16, as we said, the rich man wants to send people. He wants to send Lazarus to go to his brothers. He wants to send Lazarus as a warning. But look at Abraham's word in verse 29. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if somebody goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. There will be some that don't hear. There will be people who don't hear Moses and the prophets and the very one who they're pointing to, which is Jesus, God in the flesh. And you see, Jesus is the very one who has risen from the dead, and people still don't hear going back to what we talked about earlier, those that love on the one side and justice on the other, that we can't fit together ourselves, in Jesus, those things come together and are perfectly united because Jesus loved us and took the just punishment that we deserved for our sins, perfect love and perfect justice. So what do you and I do with all of this, with heaven and with hell, with our need for Jesus? First, We need to let go of our own senses of love and justice and see that they meet perfectly, not in ourselves, not in our own hearts and minds, but in Jesus. Second, we have this idea that people are generally good, which is really easy to believe. But remember, we've looked inside our own hearts tonight and thought all of these things that I think, all of those thought bubbles above my head, right? That's actually not the case. Many people will say, well, yeah, a lot of people don't deserve hell. But the reality is none of us deserve heaven. There's not a scandal in the Christian faith because of hell. There's actually a miracle, and that miracle is heaven. That miracle is grace. That miracle is that God has come down. And this reality of hell also shows God protection for goodness in making a world and protecting it from evil. There's a theologian named Herman Bovink. I know it's a name you're unfamiliar with, right? But he said this, the greatest love threatens the most severe punishments. If we're honest, though, we still have this desire for it not to be true, Right? But is that desire wanting to shape reality to our own desires instead of wanting to be shaped by God's word and the reality that it communicates to us? You see, we have deep reasons that we don't want heaven and hell to be real. We don't want it to be true. Because if hell's not true, we don't have to deal with our own sin. But it is. And so we need to think about that and deal with it through the power that Jesus has given us by the Spirit through his resurrection. If we're also honest, we don't want it to be true because then we don't have to share our faith. And sharing our faith is really hard. But it is true. And so we share out of love, not in any kind of arrogance that we're better, but actually because we know we're not. We know that we don't deserve heaven. We know that we've been given a free gift from Jesus. And that should make it actually easier to talk about to say, actually, I can't earn this myself. I can't do any of this myself. It's a free gift. If it's for you and if it's for me, then why isn't it for those around us? And this good news results in us living a faithful life in newness now, but in light of the amazing full newness to come that we read about in Revelation 21. And it also means peace for us in the here and now, because we don't have to rely on our own sense of justice and our own sense of love. We can rely on God, the just and loving judge, to judge all hearts and right all wrongs one day, and he will do it. At the beginning, I told you about that band that had that clause in their... Terms and conditions that they had to have brown M&M's in their dressing room? There's actually a reason for that. Because they said if they walked into a dressing room and there wasn't brown M&M's, they know somebody didn't read the rest of the contract. And they knew all the things in there for their safety wouldn't have been carried out. So they wouldn't be safe. They wouldn't be protected. But if they saw those brown M&M's, they knew, okay, they've read it. They understand. They can actually keep us safe. Right? And so sometimes we think hell is hidden in the terms and conditions, but it's actually part of the story, showing God's goodness to make a world new without any evil and to right all these wrongs one day. I want to leave us with uh, a question and answer from the Heidelberg Catechism. The Heidelberg is just a place, and a Catechism is just a question and answer document for helping us learn the Christian faith. And ask asks this really interesting question. It says, how does Christ return to judge the living and the dead comfort you? Now, when we think about Christ's return to judge the living and the dead, we don't automatically think comfort. But I want you to listen to these words. How does Christ's return to judge the living and the dead comfort you? In all my distress and persecution, I turn my eyes to the heavens and confidently await as judge the very one who has already stood trial in my place before God and so has removed the whole curse from me. All his enemies and mine he will condemn to everlasting punishment, but me and all his chosen ones he will take along with him into the joy and glory of heaven. Let's pray. Father, help us to see more and more your goodness and love in that you've given grace to us. Jesus has come down when we didn't love you, when we didn't love him, and we never deserved it. But he came for us, and he died for us. Lord, would you help that to inspire us in humility to share with others this great gift that exists in the gospel? Lord, would you give us faithfulness to rely on your sense of love and your sense of justice? And by your Spirit, would you change us more and more to walk in the newness of life you give us now, in advance and give us hope of the newness of life to come at the resurrection on the last day. Thank you for your many blessings in Christ Jesus, your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.